when you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google, pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. Today, let's talk about getting staff buy-in. This is something I hear from teachers a lot that's missing. When they're having issues or challenges with their team, I hear constantly, well, my staff just doesn't have any buy-in. And I challenge you to add that growth mindset approach to this statement. My staff doesn't have any buy-in yet. That might be something that you as the teacher, you as the leader of your team need to cultivate. You need to help your staff get buy-in. And the best time of the year to do that is right in the start of the year. There's specific steps that you can take to help your team members see the big picture and understand the purpose of all of the strategies that you're teaching them. So today I'm going to go over six simple ways to help you get staff buy-in. If you listen to my podcast and you follow my blog, you know I love a checklist. I love action items. I like things that give me simple steps of what I should do. So as you listen to the episode today, I'd also encourage you to set up some little prompts for yourself later because we're going to be listening, nodding our head, being like, yes, I want to do that. That sounds great. And then the episode finishes and we go back to the to-do list in our head that's filled with a million other things and we forget those great intentions we have to implement some of these strategies. So I'm going to remind you a few times in this episode to create a little checklist or write down these steps for yourself and put it in a sticky note on your laptop or screenshot the um, podcast description with the six steps so you can remember to implement these things every day at work. A lot of the strategies that I'm going to talk about in this episode aren't brand new. If you've been around the autism helper world for a while, you've probably heard me talk about some of these concepts. I'm going to touch on some areas related to training, but also again, that growth mindset. How can we model that for our team? And then talking about leadership. 
You are the CEO of your classroom. So what do you need to do to make sure that your team is there and wanting to work? So we're going to pull from a lot of places to kind of develop this little list of these action items that you can implement, these six simple ways to get that buy-in from your staff and start to build that up throughout the year. Number one, treat your team as teachers. Your paraprofessionals, your classroom assistants, whatever the title is, view them and talk about them and include them as your co-teachers in your classroom. They are there to help your kids make progress just like you are. And there's important ways that we can start to create this atmosphere of a team of teachers instead of one teacher and two paraprofessionals. We want that culture to be that we're three teachers in this together. The language you use here is really important. When you refer to teaching your students or implementing IEP goals, use the word we. We as a team are going to teach Johnny to read. We as a team are going to help Sarah decrease her negative behaviors. We as a team are going to help all of our kids become independent. Talk about your students as our students. They're not your students. They're our students, all of us. We are a team and these are our kids. Your staff is here because they love them. They are their kids. So make sure you use that important language that helps develop that team atmosphere. Loop your staff in on important conversations. If a case manager comes and talks to you about something, obviously there's sometimes that it's a confidentiality issue and it's not appropriate to tell your team, but there's other times that it is. If Johnny's on a new medication that might affect his behavior, it's going to be important that your team knows that. You can also teach them about the boundaries of confidentiality, that, hey, this isn't information we give to everyone. This is just for us, for our team, because the changes in Johnny's behavior is, are going to impact your staff members' day-to-day activities if the behaviors are increasing or decreasing. So we want to keep them in the loop on things that are important, things that are affecting their kids and things that are affecting the activities they do every day. And when you let them in on some of those important conversations, they now are a valuable member of their team, of that team. And they are seeing that, wow, I'm being looped in on an important conversation. This is because I'm an important person here and that I need to know this. So think about little ways that you can kind of incorporate and develop that team mentality and that team mentality of everyone being a teacher. And maybe that means you are literally saying to them, We are all teachers, saying that constantly, saying that frequently, being like, yes, we are all teachers in this classroom. We are all here to educate our kids. Number two, build rapport with your staff. So I'm going to be real honest with you here. My first few years teaching, not only did I not really work on building rapport, but the idea of even having to work on building rapport honestly really just irritated me. I had so much to do, I felt like, and I felt constantly so overwhelmed with how much I had to do that the idea of adding something else on that list, like building rapport with my staff, it felt unnecessary. I kept thinking like, they're adults. Why can't they just do their job? Why do I have to spend time building rapport? And I would get so in the zone that sometimes I would barely even say good morning or hello, 
which is freaking rude. No one wants to work in a workplace where people don't greet each other. And I'm not a rude person, I promise you. But I would just kind of get in the zone of trying to get stuff done and I'm in that overwhelmed feeling and I just wanted to get right to work and not talk to anyone. And we've all kind of been in those modes. And you want to remember how that is speaking to other people. I started to reflect after these first two years teaching when my team was obviously not going very well how much it meant to me when my principal built rapport with me. He didn't need to do that, right? But then I realized that he did need to do that. When my principal started to build rapport with me and know things beyond just what I did in the classroom, I started to like my principal more. I started to want to do better. I started to enjoy coming to work and having interactions with my administrators because they had taken the time to build rapport. And so I really started to realize what a necessary step this was. People want to work in settings that they enjoy, that they like the people that they're around. It is so much more fun to come to work when you like your coworkers. We've all had those jobs where you don't like your coworkers and then those jobs where you do like your coworkers. And hands down, you choose the job where you like your coworkers every day. Even if that job is harder, even if that job is a longer commute, even if that job you make a little less money, you would prefer the job with the coworkers that you like. So this skill of building rapport is tricky. It's something that might not come naturally to you. You might be like me where you just wanted to put your head down and get your stuff done. But when you think of getting your stuff done, building rapport is one of those stuff. That's one of the things that you have to get done. So you need to make the effort if it doesn't come naturally. So this is where we got to use our EQ. We've got our IQ. We know all the skills we need to accomplish our job. But we need to use our emotional intelligence to create relationships with our team. When I do trainings for BCBAs and talk about creating great collaborative relationships, I talk about this concept of EQ and IQ a lot. And I talk about creating connector moments, creating moments where you find similarities with people you are working with, even if it's just something so simple, like, oh, you drink black coffee? Me too. I have always drank black coffee. I never put sugar in my coffee. That is something we have in common. Like it's something silly as, as, you know, trivial as coffee, but the more moments you can find those connector moments, the more you're going to kind of create that relationship of we are similar. We are the same. We both drink black coffee and we are the same type of person. So try to find those moments and highlight those moments of how you are similar, because that's going to start to build those relationships. With your team members, you don't need to be best friends. You don't need to go to happy hour every Friday. You don't need to watch the same Bravo TV shows. But you do need to create a relationship beyond just what's happening within the four walls of your classroom. You need to have knowledge and connections that are not work-related. Know the names of their kids. Know what area of the city they work in. You want to have topics of conversation that aren't just classroom-specific because that's going to help take your relationship to the next level and help create a relationship where you guys like each other. And when you like each other, you will want to work well together. Number three, sell it. 
So we've got to sell the strategies and the interventions and the tasks that we are asking our staff to do. So the first component of selling it is explaining the why. Why does planned ignoring work? Why do schedules work? Why should we fade our prompts? Paint the big picture. Paint the big picture of that end success that we want for our students. So get into the weeds, get into the details here of explaining the reasoning behind all of these strategies. So that's one thing that I think a lot of people are good at. They, they explain, but the missing piece is the excitement and the passion that comes with it. You've got to be enthusiastic. When we say sell it, you've got to sell it. You've got to be eager. You've got to be excited. This is the best behavior plan you've ever written, and you cannot wait for someone to read it, and you cannot wait for your staff to learn all about it. My husband is in sales, and one cheesy thing that he told me that has always stuck with me is the last four letters of enthusiasm are, I am sold myself. You want to share that, man, you drank the Kool-Aid. You are here for it. You believe in these ABA principles. You believe in the power of prompt fading and of setting up that structured environment. You're sold. You've drank the Kool-Aid. You're there. So you got to sell it. And yes, that might mean that sometimes you got to put it on a little bit. If it's the fourth behavior plan of the month and man, this behavior plan is really similar to numbers one and two and why do I got to go through this training again and I'm tired because I've got a life and kids at home and I didn't sleep. I get it. We've all been there. But you got to kind of light the fire under your butt and be excited every time to show that yes, I am sold on this and you can be sold on it too. So hopefully... You guys love my podcast. Hopefully this isn't the first episode you're listening to, or if it is the first episode you're listening to, hopefully you want to come listen to more. And I think that the reason that you like listening to me is that I'm enthusiastic. I'm passionate about the things I'm talking about. I'm excited to tell you about staff training, and I'm excited to talk about functional literacy and data. And yes, that makes me a huge nerd, but I'm absolutely okay with that. If I read a podcast episode in a slow, monotone voice, you guys would not be into it. It's not fun to learn that way. It's fun when someone's like, heck yes, I'm a data nerd and I want to make you a data nerd too. And then you're kind of like, ooh, maybe I want to be a data nerd. So think about really ways that you can ignite that passion constantly and really help instigate that passion in your team as well. Number four, prioritize. If you are listening to this podcast, I'm going to go ahead and assume that you are someone that is looking to make your classroom and your skills as a teacher and leader better. You're looking to take your class to the next level. And so if you are that person, you likely have that huge list of ideas and things that you want to implement and changes you want to make and new strategies you want to teach your team. And I implore you, keep the list. The list is great. I love that list. But do not bombard your staff with that huge list of things you want to accomplish. That is the quickest way to create team members that feel overwhelmed and frustrated and like they are failing. And when people feel like they're failing because they're not doing well at learning 500 things, which by the way, no one can, they're not going to have buy-in. 
I don't have buy-in and learning 500 things at once. So scale back, pick one, two max new things that you are working on with each team member. Spoon feed that list. Pick the most important or most impactful things first. Prioritize. Pick those things that will give you the biggest bang for your buck. You are going to make so much more progress on that big old list of ideas if you take those baby steps. A marathon starts with just one step. That's where you want to get your team at. Let's get that one first step that we need, not try to rush to that finish line because you can't just jump there. You got to get all those steps in between. Number five, set up a quick win. So as soon as possible when teaching a team member a new strategy or adding some type of new center in your class, as soon as possible, you want to give that team member a moment of success and then you highlight and praise that moment of success. You want to give them a win because you know what? Wins are addictive. And once you get one win, you're going to want more and more and more. So let's think about what we just talked about in step four. We talked about prioritizing. So we're picking one or two things that we're working on with our staff member. And we talked about picking the most important, the most impactful steps. Some of those steps that we're teaching might be some big ticket items. We might want our team member to work on setting up a fluency station or helping Johnny transition into the classroom without any staff help. Those are big items that might take some time. Do not wait until we've achieved success to provide any praise or feedback because you need a lot of little quick wins in between there to get to that ultimate goal. So set up the situation even if it takes a little contriving or a little extra help or a little extra support, set up the situation so your staff member is getting a win. So if it's a fluency center that is your goal, the first time they sit down with one child and practice fluency cards, even if they don't take data, make a huge deal about it. That is a win. We made our flashcards. You're sitting with Johnny and you went through the flashcards in 20 seconds. That is freaking amazing. Thank you. That's so great. Oh, we're working on Sarah walking into the classroom all by herself. Well, you know what? Today I noticed that you only used verbal and gestural prompts and no physical prompts. That is so awesome. We're only on week one and you're already faded physical prompts. That is so amazing. Provide that feedback. Make it a big deal. Find that like little thing that is awesome, that's gearing us up in the right direction. Things that are praised get repeated. So provide that praise for the things that you want to see more of. Does that definition remind you of anything? Positive reinforcement? Yep. Provide that positive reinforcement. Reinforcement is going to cause increases in behaviors we want to see more of in the future. So if you want to see more of that prompt fading or more of that data collection or more of that correct implementation of a behavior plan, you need that reinforcement for the staff member. Every time they do something that you've asked them to do where it's unnoticed, it's just going to make that behavior less likely to happen in the future. We need that reinforcement to be there. So set up that quick win. Be purposeful about this. When you see it, man, make a big deal. You know, man, oh my gosh, Miss Thomas, I cannot believe that 
week two, we are already having these three kids on that are in your group checking their schedules on their own. You've done such a great job on, on fading those prompts and getting them to be independent. Thank you so much. This is going so well. Say that. Highlight that. Live there. Don't think about like, oh man, but we got so many other steps to do. Be excited about the progress that you're making towards your goals. Number six, own your losses. Just as important as it was to celebrate the wins, you want to celebrate the mistakes too. You want to model the skill of learning from your mistakes. And ooh, baby, are there going to be mistakes. Every school year, every single teacher, you make mistakes. You set up a schedule that just doesn't make sense. You pair kids together that just cannot be in the same group. You make behavior plans that are just pure, not right for that student. They're mistakes. They happen. We learn from them. We learn from our students. So we want to model this skill for our team members. We want to own the mistake, share it. Like, hey guys, I made this schedule and in practice, it makes absolutely no sense. It made sense on paper, but once we did it for two days, No one knew where they were going. Everyone was all over the place. The transitions were too quick. This is my bad, guys. This schedule was not good. I'm going to try again a different schedule. Talk that out. Explain that. Say that. Acknowledge that. Acknowledge the mistake you made. I'm going to be honest with you again. The, The young teacher, Sasha, would have been terrified by that idea. I would have never, ever done that. Never. Because I was in like fake it till you make it mode. I was not confident in any decision I made. So the idea of admitting that I had made a mistake would have been ludicrous because I didn't want anyone to know that I didn't know all the things. But man, it would have, it would have really changed the culture of my team and the way my team worked together if I would have been upfront about that. I don't know all the things. Nobody does. I don't right now. I make mistakes right now. And if young teacher Sasha could have been like, yeah, guys, man, I totally made a mistake on thinking that we could get this many things in during this time period. That's on me. Let's try again. It actually would have had the opposite effect of what I would have thought. I would have thought that, man, now my team members think I don't know what I'm doing and now my team members won't respect me. It actually would have had the opposite effect. My team members would have had more respect for me and been like, wow, she does know what she's doing. She's identifying what did and didn't work and then making changes. So owning your losses is actually going to increase that buy-in. Your team members are going to be like, man, she's very reflective or, you know, he really knows what he's doing. He knows his stuff because he's seeing where changes have to be made. It's also teaching your team that we can all learn from each other's mistakes. So when you go through this process of owning your losses, of being like, man, we had a horrible behavior incident. I think it was my fault. I think this behavior plan is just not the right fit. And this is why. Explain that you are owning your losses and you are identifying this because you want them to know that you don't think you're perfect. Tell your team, like, guys, this one's on me. I, I'm telling you about this. I'm telling you about this mistake I made because I want us all to learn from this. And if we can all learn from each other's mistakes, we as a team will progress so much more quickly. 
So you're modeling that skill and you're creating a team where not only is it okay to make a mistake, but everyone is going to be learning from it together. So those were our six simple steps. Is the word simple a little bit misleading? Probably. Well, in practice, a lot of these strategies don't take a lot of time. They don't take extra materials. They seem simple, but the hard part is making sure you utilize them. So I'm not telling you how to do this, but I think you should figure out some way to remind yourself of these strategies, whether that's putting a little note on your desktop or writing it on a post-it and putting it on your teacher desk, whatever you've got to do to keep these strategies in the front of mind. Because man, once that hurricane of school starts and all the kids are there and you've got a million things on your to-do list, the idea of like creating a quick win is going to totally float out of your head or fall to the very bottom of the to-do list. So think of a way to remind yourself. We need prompts just like our kids do. So add in that prompt. So our six steps were one, treat your staff as teachers. Two, build rapport. Three, sell it. Four, prioritize. Five, set up a quick win. And six, own your losses. When you utilize these six steps, you will help cultivate staff buy-in. And to me, having staff members that are in it and that believe in what they're doing is the big differential between a team that is succeeding and a team that is not succeeding. Getting that staff buy-in is so important and it will affect all areas of your classroom. Yep, all areas. It will make writing IEPs easier. It will make implementing behavior plans easier. It will, it will mean that you take data more frequently and your students will learn more when you have a staff that is in, that is working together collaboratively. So this year, choose to rock it. Choose to make progress on these steps. Remember, progress, not perfection. No one's going to get a perfect level of staff buy-in, but we can work every single day at getting more buy-in than we had yesterday. And that is progress. If you would have told me a few years ago that my favorite part of my job is getting up in front of sometimes a few hundred people and giving a presentation on data or behavior academics, I would have thought you were crazy. I did not always like public speaking. Actually, to be totally honest, public speaking was something I used to be pretty afraid of. But now it's literally my favorite part of my job. I love being in a room of my people, of the special ed world, teachers and parents and clinicians, and everyone that's on the front lines that's working so hard for our students to give them the best opportunities and the best classroom experience. I love being in a room of everyone that understands how hard this job can be, but also how amazing it is and how important those little victories are on a daily basis. When I do a PD, my goal is to bring value. I wanna bring action items, ideas and strategies that you can do tomorrow in your classroom. I have sat through too many professional developments that either didn't apply to me or were too hypothetical and philosophical. And my special ed heart always wanted to know, what do I do next? 
What do I do tomorrow? If you are interested in learning more about how I can come to your school to do a professional development, please visit theautismhelper.com backslash speaking. There's a contact form as well as a lot of information about all of the different sessions I give. I'm happy to answer any questions and work with your school district. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum. Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.